Hello and welcome. My name is Juanita Headley. I am a New York attorney and the founder and CEO of Changing Cases. You are listening to a set of podcasts, a series dealing with the issues of human trafficking, child abuse, and of course, can you keep a secret? Knowing how to respond to the question, can you keep a secret? Over the following weeks and months, I'm going to be tackling some hard-hitting topics with a view to educate, empower, and inspire you to change the way that you think, act, and respond to better safeguard the children in your world. Stay tuned until the end of this show, where I'll be sharing with you not only how you can get a copy of my new book, but I will also inform you of some upcoming live Zoom trainings and how you can contact me to have your questions featured in a future episode of this show. We can talk about it. Yeah, we can talk about it. Yeah. So we can talk about it. Talk about it. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk. The question that people always ask me is who is Juanita Headley and why do I do what I do? First of all, because this is another question that often comes up. Where am I from? I was born in London, England to Jamaican parents. However, at the age of four, my mother married my stepfather. And as a result of that relationship, I was a victim of sexual abuse from the ages of four to 10. How did the abuse begin? I remember very vividly when we were on vacation in Spain. And my stepfather had been tickling me and then his hands had slipped. And I communicated this to my mother and by her own admission, she had told me off and she had told my stepfather off. And she had said to me, don't let this happen again. Now as an adult, thinking back to that time, I believe that when she communicated to me with those words, the responsibility was then placed upon me to ensure that I was not abused again in the future. What would have been better is if she had said to me, let me know if it happens again. And unfortunately, I never disclosed to her ever again about the abuse. And it continued for six years, progressing from tickling to abuse in my sleep and also attempted rape. I believe that every one of us has a story and I've decided to use what the enemy intended for evil and turn it around into something that God has intended for good. My desire is to educate people on the issues of childhood sexual abuse and exploitation so that they can identify victims and survivors in their world and more importantly, be able to protect them so that those children can grow up and become healthy and whole individuals. Some of the topics that will be discussed throughout these podcasts are highly sensitive. However, I believe it is important to shine light into this issue. As a born-again Christian, my faith in Jesus Christ is what drives me forward and determines the decisions that I make. The Bible says that people perish for lack of knowledge. And the sad reality is a lack of knowledge is what often results in children experiencing abuse and the abuse continuing because the people around them don't have the knowledge to identify 
suspicious or even inappropriate behaviors. There is no typical abuse story. Abuse should never happen, and I'm sure that we all agree with that. But unfortunately, there is sin and there is evil in the world, and as a result of that, there are many victims and survivors, both male and female, who have been violated. There are even stories and instances of girls becoming pregnant to a family member, including a biological father. That is the reality. However, it is important to understand that not every father or stepfather is an abuser, but that there are people out there who have a very perverse desire to engage in inappropriate behaviors, sexual behaviors, to be exact, with children. Looking back into my childhood as a victim and now as a survivor, I can recall there were instances when I tried to disclose what I was going through. However, however, I have to point out that it's often very difficult and it's incredibly uncomfortable to talk about sex, let alone sexual abuse, as a child with an adult who has the power and the capacity to be able to protect me. And I remember sharing with my grandfather and my aunt through the question, can you keep a secret? And I remember with my grandfather specifically, when I asked him that question, his response was, it depends. For me, hearing it depends and being told that he would reveal the information to my grandmother placed fear within me and stopped me from disclosing what I was going through. What's sad about the whole thing is I would ask my grandfather on multiple occasions that very same question, can you keep a secret? And his response was always the same, it depends. And that is where the song and my book, that's where the, the theme, the name, the tagline came out of. It came out of my own story of asking that question and not getting the correct response. And I understand that a lot of people who hear that question immediately think the worst and they acknowledge the fact that truthfully, they maybe have to reveal that secret. And so giving that word of caution is their safety mechanism. However, from my own experience, I don't believe that is the best way forward. Instead, I believe that when the question is asked, can you keep a secret? The appropriate response is to say yes or something else affirmative. But in your mind, in your head, say it depends. Because once you've heard that question, you can then make a determination as to what you will do with that information. Now, I understand that in certain fields of employment, in certain occupations and careers, that there is a legal requirement such as with therapists and counselors, for them to communicate to their clients that depending on what is shared, that therapist or counselor will have to take that information forward to safeguard and protect themselves or someone else. I understand where that is coming from, but I believe that that'd be a more effective way to get a person to open up. Because I know for myself, if I wanted to share something with a counselor 
And then they warn me that they're going to reveal that information if somebody's in danger. I would be much more reluctant in opening up to them because of the fear that I would have. Despite this, I want people to know that my advice is not contrary to the laws of the land. My advice is when you're dealing with a situation outside of your work environment. So if you're a therapist or a counselor, the advice that I give and the response that I suggest is when you're at home, when you're with friends and family and you don't have on your therapist or counselor hat, you're outside of your place of employment and somebody is talking to you just as a friend, as a relative, as a family member. From my experience, the question, can you keep a secret? It is a really important question, especially when it is asked and how it is asked. Now, even with adults, with professionals, even for myself, whenever I want to disclose anything personal to another person, I will ask them, is it confidential? Is it going to stay in the room? Is it going to stay between us? I use any of those variations. I even sometimes just ask point blank, can you keep a secret? And I ask that because I want to be transparent. I want to be open, but I want to feel confident that when I disclose this information to them, it will not go any further. It's going to stay in the room between me and that person. I am strongly convinced that when a person asks that question, can you keep a secret? They're trying to tell you something. It is a cry for help. They need intervention. And for that reason, I am convinced that the best and only response to that question is yes. For you to say yes to the question, to hear their response, and then to react appropriately. Whenever I give presentations, I break it down very simplistically. If a person comes to you and asks, can you keep a secret? You respond yes with your mouth and it depends with your head. Once you've heard that secret, the next thing that I encourage people to do is to have a conversation. Now, it is not about being scripted. There is no script. It depends on what's been disclosed. It depends on the circumstances. But it's important to communicate to that person who has just disclosed to you something very difficult and quite often very personal. I'll use myself as an example. I go to my grandfather and I ask him, can you keep a secret? Now, if we could turn the clock back, he would have responded yes. With the knowledge that he now has, he would have said yes. And I would have told him, I'm being sexually abused by my stepfather. The next thing that he would need to do, having heard my secret, is to say to me some variation of these words. Juanita, what has happened to you? It is not your fault. However, because what you have shared to me, it's a crime, it's illegal, it's immoral, and it should not have happened and needs to discontinue from happening again, I need to call the police. And then the correct thing for my grandfather to do would be to call the police. The reality is what usually happens when a disclosure has been made that person who has heard, let's say, for example, my grandfather, would respond with shock, maybe with anger, 
with disbelief and that reaction and response is being projected to the victim survivors such as myself who may believe that they are to blame, that they are responsible. It is very difficult to hear news like that and to not immediately respond. But it is really important to reel in your feelings and emotions so that that child doesn't take on the responsibility of how you have responded. On the back of that, what usually then happens is that the person who's heard the disclosure of abuse would tell somebody else, maybe their family member, their spouse, and then usually tell the perpetrator, I heard you've been sexually abusing Juanita. And that is categorically the worst decision and the worst thing a person can do after hearing of a disclosure of abuse. Instead, the right thing to do is to call the police immediately. Not to report this to anyone else, not to a family member, not to a spouse, but to allow the police to do the investigation. Because realistically speaking, if my grandfather had said yes, and I disclosed, and he told my grandmother, because of the type of person that she is, she would have called my stepfather and would have asked him if he'd abused me. And as I'm sure you could all assume rightly, he would clearly deny that. There are many cases where a person is accused of something that they have done and goes to court and pleads not guilty. And even when convicted, they claim innocence. What more when it's a family member in the confines of the home and there is no police involvement? It is completely reasonable to assume they would deny that allegation so that, number one, they could continue to abuse, and number two, they would go undetected and there'd be no police involvement. It is therefore your responsibility upon hearing the disclosure to first discuss your decisions to safeguard that child with them and then to go ahead and implement everything you've just said you were going to do. Because number one, a person who has abused will most likely deny it. And number two, if there is any evidence of the abuse having taken place, they will hide or destroy the evidence. It is really important to allow the police to do their investigations, to allow the police to do the digging. If that allegation is unfounded, the evidence will show that. However, if that allegation is true, the evidence will show that also. I understand that some people can be uncomfortable using the word yes because there's that fear of the unknown. What if the secret is about something criminal? I don't want to get myself caught up in that. Remember, the question is simply, can you keep a secret? And let's be realistic. We can all keep secrets. So truthfully, you can keep a secret. And as someone mentioned to me once before, you can keep a secret. You're not saying that you will, but you certainly can. Because when you've heard that disclosure, there may not be any reason for you to share that secret. So in such an instance, you can keep that secret. But I think it is really important to understand that that person wants to open up and needs to feel comfortable to open up 
and the it depends, as I have seen and even experienced, the it depends often creates fear and that person will most likely not tell you the true extent of their secret or maybe doesn't tell you their secret at all. Think of it this way. The sooner you hear the secret, the sooner you can help. And if there are other ways for you to communicate affirmatively to that child, then absolutely do that. Because some people wouldn't want to use the word yes per se, but are able to use other language to get that child to open up. And it's not about the yes word, it's about being affirmative, giving that child, that adult, whoever it is, a platform to share, where they don't feel judged, they feel listened to, and they know that you are willing to help in whatever capacity that you can. I heard of a story of a young girl. She was around seven years of age in the United States. And she had disclosed at school, Daddy is eating my cookie. Now when she shared that, unfortunately the people who heard that did not realize that the term cookie was what she was using to define or describe her private parts. The problem with the term cookie is that nobody knew what she meant and therefore nobody was able to help her or intervene in the situation and therefore she was abused for a longer duration until that information later came out. The problem with using words like cookie, pumpkin or butterfly to define or describe a child's private parts is when a child does disclose that they're being abused using the wrong language, whoever they disclose that to, if they don't know that the, the word cookie or pumpkin is in reference to their private parts, that child cannot get the help that they need. And with smaller children, they often do disclose what they're going through. But it depends on the language that they're using and whether you understand the language of the term cookie. It is therefore really important for parents, caregivers and guardians to use age-appropriate language. Just use the term private parts or genitals or if that's really uncomfortable, spell it out. G-E-N-T-I-A-L-S, genitals. You want to use a language that is universally known. Even if the language cookie is universally known, that is not what it is called. It is private parts. And like I mentioned earlier, when a disclosure of abuse is made, there is often disbelief. So using cookie really is an ineffective way to describe the private parts. Even more so if a child says, Daddy is eating my cookie. The people who hear that, who know Daddy, would be unlikely to believe it's in reference to the private parts because they know that person. And what you have to understand is that when a person is being abused, the abuser is quite commonly somebody that they know. Stranger danger is often something that children are taught from a young age, and that is important information. But the reality is that most abusers know the child that they're abusing or even have a relationship with them. Knowing them doesn't have to mean an intimate relationship, 
It could be a bus driver. It could be somebody from a local corner shop. The point is, abuse usually takes place by somebody that you know, and incest is very rife in all communities. Abuse and exploitation are equal opportunity employers. They do not discriminate. Just as with the recent virus that we have had, does not discriminate against ethnicity, celebrity status, marital status, abuse affects people all around the world. This is a sad reality, but we all have the ability to protect the children around us. And that is why it is important for us to get knowledge so that we know what signs to look out for, how to identify a victim or a survivor so they can indeed get the help that they need to have a healthy and whole life. Contrary to popular belief, abused children do not become abusers. It is not as simple as two plus two is four because a lot of people believe that and that is a lie. I am not an abuser. To my knowledge, Oprah Winfrey is not an abuser. Joyce Myers is not an abuser. There are always exceptions to every rule. And just because somebody has been a victim does not mean they will go on to perpetrate what they have been through. Of course, I have to acknowledge that there are instances where a perpetrator of abuse suffered at the hands of somebody in their childhood but that is not always the case. It is not automatically you're a victim and then you go on to victimize. That is really not the case. But for any victim or survivor to have a healthy and whole life, they need help. And that help will start with you. What can you take away from today's session? Use the correct language when talking to children about their private parts. Respond correctly to the question, can you keep a secret? Say yes with your mouth. It depends with your head. Tell the child the next steps you're going to take and take those next steps by informing the authorities. That child needs your help. Whatever they are going through, that child cannot handle the situation on their own. They cannot deal with all the emotions on their own. They need support. Support number one, protection. Support number two, somebody being able to come alongside them and let them know that they are not at fault. Because a lot of victims and survivors feel responsible because of what was perpetrated upon them. And that child needs to know that they have done absolutely nothing wrong. From this day forward, change the way that you interact with the people around you. Read between the lines. Don't just listen to the words that comes out of a person's mouth, but look at their body language. Read what else you're seeing, because often people are trying to communicate more to you than just the words that they say. And understand that often a victim or survivor of abuse may struggle to even be open and share with you that they've been abused. Understand that they may often deny the fact that they've been abused. But just because they deny it doesn't mean to say that it did not happen. When I was around 15, my father asked me, my biological father, he asked if I'd been abused. 
And I said no. I lied to him. Sadly, he never asked me again. It had stopped years later, but that is hardly the point. I was still afraid to open up and to disclose what I had been through. What I was afraid of, I really don't know. My stepfather had never threatened me into silence. In fact, he acted as normal as an abusive stepfather could act. He never spoke about it. He never indicated to me that he knew about it. Maybe that doesn't make sense, but I was abused whilst I was asleep. And in the daytime, my stepfather was a completely different person. It was almost as though I had a night stepfather and a day stepfather. We were best friends. We were very close. And that's why a lot of people found it hard to understand that I was a victim because I did not dislike him or hate him. I was groomed. And that's something we'll pick up in a future episode. Grooming. What that looks like and how grooming can shape the way a person thinks and perceives their perpetrator. To learn more about these issues, tune in over the next few weeks. And of course, as I said at the beginning of this podcast, I do have a book called Can You Keep a Secret that goes into a lot of detail on the topics of abuse and exploitation. If you would like to get a copy of this book, you can contact me on my Facebook, Changing Cases, Changing C-A-S-E-S, via my website, changingcases.org. Alternatively, if you would like to attend my Zoom meetings so that you can get more information on this topic, the Zoom meetings are free of charge. There is absolutely no cost to attend the Zoom meetings. They're as interactive as they can be in the one hour duration with an optional one and a half hour at the end which allows for more participation and discussion from the audience. Completely free. Why? Because I don't feel it's appropriate to charge people to be educated and empowered on these very important topics and issues. You can contact me on my website, changingcases.org, or alternatively, you can WhatsApp me. My number is plus one, eight six eight. 740-1008. That is plus one, eight six eight seven four zero one zero zero eight. So you can learn more about this issue. And beyond that, you can take that information away to protect and safeguard the people in your world. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to you joining me on my next podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And please share with friends. Can you keep a secret? Keep a secret. Can you keep a secret? Can you keep a secret? I 